Welcome, Shalom Alechem, all my Yidin. It's Shabbat, it's Friday. Um, for any Goyim, happy weekend. Uh, enjoy your Friday, enjoy your weekend. But ultimately, let's enjoy Live Like a Monk. That's what we're talking about today. Yes, it's a self-help book that I liked. And we will cover some of the same topics here that you've heard in the past. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're just joining for the first time. Anyways, I don't mind talking about the same things though because to reiterate, to drill in these really awesome tidbits, I think programs the subconscious way better. Enjoy. Rate five stars on Apple Podcasts. Bye. So to open this book, he says, from the Bhagavad Gita, it is better to live your own destiny imperfectly than to live an imitation of somebody else's life with perfection. And when I first read that, I knew what I was getting into. I knew exactly what this book was going to be about. And let me tell you, this book, as much as I have mixed reviews now on Jay Shetty because I heard he's a fraud, I still loved everything he told us in this book. And he actually does give references at the end, so whoever said that, I don't know. But gear up. This is going to be so fun to read. And uh, this will be a quick one, people. Anyways, let's get back into Live Like a Monk. Now, when I heard that quote, I I right away thought of some people I went to high school with that were fronting all the time. And guess what? People still didn't like them and people still love them. So guess what happens? They will never be able to get back to their authentic self. Because when you're your authentic self, you also have 50% of people hating you, 50% of people loving you, metaphorically, figuratively speaking, not literally. So by fronting, you could have just as many people love you and hate you. So why front? There's literally no point. If people are still going to not like you or like you. And that stems from deep, deep insecurities. This was called the past values challenge. Think of the three best and worst choices you've ever made. Why'd you make them? And what did you learn from them? And then how would you have done it differently? It's just a self-reflection challenge. So go ahead and do that. I'll give you a few seconds here. Now next, I loved, he said something. Look at your biggest goals to see if they've driven... Sorry, not if they've driven, if they were driven by other people, tradition, or media-driven ideas. And it was kind of sad because actually, I would argue all my goals are driven by really tradition or the media. They tell me how I should live. So, for example, I want to retire early. I want to be wealthy. I, um, yeah, we'll keep it to those. Honestly, this the media drove that for me. Uh, you know, but... And the media also, and even though you might see that as a bad thing, gaining wealth and retiring early, but like, you don't even know me. You don't know why I want that. I want to retire early and gain wealth so I can spend more time with the people I love. So I can say yes and no whenever I want. That will project project into other people's lives. Like when I'm feeling good about that, when I'm positive because I can do that, I'll be able to give more. I'll be able to give charity more. Anyways... That 100% was driven by media. And I don't like that. In this book, he makes that seem like a negative thing. When I actually would argue everything we've ever wanted, goal-wise, was driven by, by either people, tradition, or the media. He thinks, when I say he, Jay Shetty, believes there are three things you should let go today. Opinions, expectations, and obligations. Now, this actually I didn't like because we already know this stuff. It's more schmaltzy fakakta from self-help. We already know not to care about opinions, expectations, and obligations. Now, 
This is the G.I. Joe fallacy. We might know it, but we don't act on it. And knowing is half the battle, according to Dr. Lori Santos. He has something called the Companion Audit Challenge. Take a companion in your life. It could be a sibling or a partner. And just audit them. Go through and be like, okay, are they really good for me? What are they doing for me? What am I doing for them? And audit them. And I was like, that's actually, it reminds me of when Goggins said, study your own life. You know what I mean? We don't, we judge others so much. We, we look at how other people act. but We rarely judge ourselves and look at how we act. Now, balance is everything. I don't want you judging yourself so harshly that it turns into toxicity in that, that brain of yours. But seriously, uh, I don't know. I, th- I think that's a good thing sometimes to be like, okay, am I that frog in boiling water? You know, if you guys haven't heard of that, it's like a frog won't hop out of water uh, if it slowly boils and will die. But the, if the water's already hot, it will jump out right away. So audit your, your peers, people. Really look at who you're surrounding yourself with. Now, and, and this, this you've heard this stuff before. But I need to say it to you so you hear it again so it really sits with you. Like, Let this be the wake-up call to double-check who you're spending time with and getting input from. Um, a lot of the, There's a bunch of like find-your-tribe kind of stuff. So that's you can see the theme of Chapter 1. Let's move on to Chapter 2. He talked about being silent when he came back from Buddhist camp. He says, be silent and listen. And then he asks, do you do this? And what do you, we've all heard the saying, you have two ears, one mouth, meaning you should listen more than you speak. And I actually couldn't agree more. I, I think you learn more when you listen. You cannot learn and speak at the same time. So, yeah. <laughs> Inexperience is not a fault. It does not make someone malicious. That might be the one line I took away from this book as the top quote in the entire book. Inexperience is not a fault, nor is it malice. Golden, golden, golden. Think how many people have beaten themselves up over things that was just because of a lack of experience. And and that's helped me so much. After I read that, I reflected. I gave myself some hugs. Old Zevs that used to beat himself up over stuff. I gave old Zev a hug and said, it's okay. You were inexperienced. And today, I am an experienced man that would not make those mistakes again. Trust is affected when you're judgmental, people. Those people, they might think you'll be, as we'd say in Yiddish, a yenta regarding them. Uh, that's like someone who gossips. Again, if you judge others in front of another person, they are going to lack trust in you. They might, in the back of their head, they might not say it. They might not think it consciously right away, but they're going to think... Mm, maybe this person will judge me. And so they do put their guard up. You, they do not connect deeper with you. So never judge someone else in front of another person. Unless, because every truth is a half truth, unless you are with someone who knows your identity so well, so tightly, that it does bond you. I don't know, for some reason, you guys judge someone together. And it, it helps out. I, but honestly, 90% of the time, I don't think it is beneficial. Even with those super tight with you. You can now remember, think about it. We can flip this instead of, so you're with your best friend or a sibling and let's say, or a a husband or wife, and you see someone jaywalk and you're like, you're like, oh, what a fucking loser. Like so idiotic. Why would they jaywalk? So that's judgment. And let's say your partner agrees and they're like, yeah, fuck him. 
Well, maybe we could flip that and just be like, man, I, I just don't get why people jaywalk. Why do you think people jaywalk? And boom, now it's become a discussion. It's not you're not attacking someone. You're actually just pondering with your person. And I, I would say you connect a little more when you ponder with someone. Because then they might answer back. They'd be like, I have no idea why people jaywalk. Like, to me, that's ridiculous. And then you'll be like, oh, yeah, I think it's ridiculous too. Boom. You have, you've not judged. You've actually just connected a little more with your, your partner, your sibling, or your best friend. Boom. Buddhists have a saying, if you think we are too small to make a difference... Try sleeping with a mosquito. And I, I don't have to elaborate. That's a powerful saying. This message stuck for some reason. It's so schmaltzy, but bear with me. He says, spot, stop, and swap. So spot a feeling. Stop to understand why you're feeling it. And then swap it out for different processing, different feelings. So for example, let's have fun with this. Person jaywalks. I spot my feeling of disapprovement. I stopped to understand it. Okay, who taught me that jaywalking was bad? And that that person, I don't know anything about their story, why they're, they're there jaywalking. And that they might have grown up learning it was okay. And So you understood why you're thinking that. Then you swap it out for different processing. You go, oh, yeah, I guess I uh, need to just go back and be easy on myself for learning that it was a bad thing. It was just my past coming out. Boom. And now you're super understanding, a little warmer towards the person. Boom. That's spot, stop, and swap. But I don't know. I don't catch myself using it all that much, to be honest with you. So good luck mm -hmm. if you do. <laughs> so this is funny. So the audit challenge, because you have to keep track of negative things in your life, like negativity is coming out. And I typed in here, so far I'm at four to five negative comments a day. <laughs> I guess I had actually kept track, which is shocking. There was a story called the Good King, Evil King story that he talks about. It goes like this. The Good King has his meal in front of him, about to eat. The Bad King, the Evil King stops him and says, that could be poisonous, swaps the plates. The Good King just laughs, keeps eating. And the Evil King, who was so frightened of getting poisoned, didn't eat that night and was miserable, hungry. Take what you want from that because there's lots of messages that can be taken from that. Obviously, you know me. I like to look at both sides of the spectrum. So as one would say, maybe that evil king is being better safe than sorry. That was a smart move. One would say, we have very little control. So just enjoy life. And, and whether you want to look at either or, and there are certain situations where either or makes sense. But I thought I'd share that story. Because it makes you think. It's a philosophical story. There's no right or wrong. It just makes you reflect on yourself. This is interesting. Real freedom is not needing to say whatever we want, wherever we want, however we want. The fact that you don't need to say something, that's the real freedom. This actually reminds me of, you know, defriending the ego and befriending your higher self, your superego. You know, like that's freedom is when you don't have to be enslaved to the ego. That's awesome. Now, when I say that, let's give some context. The ego is just this sliding medium between the higher self, the superego and your id, the id being very instinctual behavior. So heck, someone's ego could be right up there with their higher self. 
with their superego that thinks before they act and is super compassionate. So when I say like defriend the ego, befriend the superego, your ego could be a sliver away from the superego, knowing what's truly right, blah, blah, blah. And so, heck, same thing applies, but maybe the, the gap between those two aren't as high for some people who are already very aware. Whereas some people need to definitely defriend their ego that's down low near their id and jump all the way up to that higher self. Now, remember, that will change you because our subconscious programming is literally an outcome from the information we take in. Information not just being what we hear and read. Information being our senses, what we sense. And yes, your self-talk is information. That does program your subconscious. So let's say someone says, oh, don't watch that bad movie. Like junk, junk television, I call it, where it's just killing brain cells. It's not educational at all. It's just like you could be doing better things. Let, let's say they tell you not to watch it because it's not, edu- uh, not educational. You watch it. You could actually, even though it is junk stimulus, you could then be telling yourself in your head, that is super crappy. What would be better is this, this, this. And, and that self-talk is information. So your subconscious programming could still benefit even if some of these outer elements in your life are not good. If your inner world is in a good place, it doesn't matter what the outer world looks like. Actually, your outer world will start to change. That's not to go on a tangent, but that's what I, how I believe our subconscious programming works. You talk to yourself a certain way, it's inevitable one day your outer world will start to match that of the self-image. It's like when I talked about last ep- a few episodes ago, how our habits correlate with our self-image. Once someone's self-image changes, their habits inevitably change. This is a reverse envy exercise. You think of people who you love in your life and what do you envy about them? So for my colleague, Scott Thompson, I really envy his online coaching, social media skills. My brother, I envy his IQ. Um, One of my best friends, his intelligence, his work ethic uh, another one of my best friends, I envy that he, he's got his dad's business and some of his skills and framing. Um, another one of my friends, I really envy his love life. Uh, anyways, and, and I thought about all my, the people I love in my life. And, those are, and I'm being very vulnerable here. Those are things I really envy. And then the book says, well, since you love them, and these are things you see as envious, like, don't you love them for it? Like, you would never strip them away of those things. And that completely changes the paradigm because now, and you guys can do this exercise. Think of one thing you envy of someone you love in your life. And when I, I don't mean like a petty little envy. I'm talking something you truly wish you had that kind of bugs you that they have. Once you tell yourself, you know, I love them so much. I wouldn't want them to have that stripped away because then they'd be sad or whatever. Their life wouldn't be as good. It flips it. Now you're actually happy for all those attributes that you envy you're happy those people have them it it makes you actually then be okay with not having them because people envy things that you have and the book actually talks about how did those attributes take anything away from me no nothing was taken from me (laughs) in, in order for them to have those things so it's all love it's just love at that point now it says here visualize everything good that is prone to to happen to them from that treatment. What do you want to take any of these away? Um, even, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. So it says, I kind of, I'll reiterate what I was saying. Cause then the book mentions, 
would you still want to take those attributes away from your best friends and partners knowing you couldn't have them? Like, they're not going to come to you. If I stripped away my buddy's intellect and work ethic that I, I wish I had, it's not like I'm going to get it. So why would I want him not to? Like, why? There's no need to be envious. You, It's actually a good thing these people have that stuff. Like, if you truly want to love, you know what I mean? Sorry, people. My mind is not straight. I don't know what's going on. I got a little foggy brain. I don't know if it's because I just crushed a ton of carbs. I don't know. Yeah, so long story short, it says to be envious, it robs you of joy, actually. And envy is more destructive to you than whatever your friend has accomplished. Unconditional forgiveness reminds me of the awareness of people's projections and to take nothing personal. And if that's a little wordy, just think of it. We forgive a kid because they don't know any better. It's no different with adults, people. Like, people are just doing what they have learned. They're just applying knowledge from their past and their baggage. So you forgive, just like you'd forgive a kid for doing something. And you might not mess around with that kid because you don't want to, want to live with their baggage or, or that kid's stubbornness, but you at least don't take it personal. You're just like, eh, that kid wasn't raised right, whatever. See you later. Adults shouldn't be any different, according to Jay Shetty. I'm curious if you guys disagree. I forgot about this, and this is so cool. He believes the reason we can't forgive ourselves is because what we did in the past, it no longer reflects our current values. This is great. And I, I love this part in forgiving ourselves. So the reason we're hurting ourselves over, over the past is because we've made progress. Since you know you don't want to be like your old self, and that's why you haven't forgiven yourself for the past, you, well, that means you're progressing forward. It means you're moving forward. We're better than you were the day before. And that's good. Like we should celebrate that. And so heck, next time you beat yourself up and you haven't forgiven yourself, know you are improving. And then I think I talked about it in the past. If you're wondering, Seth, how do I forgive myself? Here's a tool. Just know that you, that lack of forgiveness is also a projection from your past that you were taught. Someone taught you not to forgive yourself when that happens. Okay. No one educated you that it was okay. Again, and that's why your identity is tied to X values. Fill in the blank, you know what I mean? To whatever the values are. So let's go right back to the first quote. Is you're, You did something that's against your principles, morals, or values. That's why you aren't forgiving yourself. And that's just because of what someone taught you in the past. So, you know, and, and then the ripple effect continues. It's what their caregivers taught them. It never ends. So just forgive yourself because there was no, you can't control that. It was your programming. You, you couldn't have forgiven yourself, but now you can because you're aware. You're more aware of why. <laughs> you're not confused anymore. Anyways, that's two chapters. I'm going to keep this under the 20 minute mark. I got to get going. Thanks for listening, people. Enjoy the rest of your day. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Just like that. This is going to be a definitely a three-parter, I think. I easily. Rate five stars on Apple Podcasts if you're listening there. And until next week, go live like a monk. <laughs> All right. Have a great weekend. Have a great Friday. Shabbat shalom. All my mishpoche, my yahudi. See you later.